What's the worst part about breaking four tackles and running into the end zone for the game-winning touchdown? Not having your Wayfair still with you to protect your eyes from all the flashbulbs. Sounders, keep your shades anchored and where they belong during life's greatest feats. Head to soundergoods.com and use promo code KTTC to get 10% off and free shipping with any order. You're listening to the Keefe to the City Podcast. Here's Neil Keith. All right, so the trade deadline has passed. Um, the stretch run for the NHL season has begun. Uh, the Eastern Conference is, uh, is pretty much all set, except I guess for the eighth spot if the Panthers uh, can catch the Bruins and uh, you know give us some drama down the stretch. In the West, things are a little dicier, and uh, the Rangers will get a, uh, a taste of that this week. They played the Predators on Monday night at MSG, and uh, they've got uh, they've got a big game against the Red Wings, uh, another Eastern Conference foe on Wednesday night in Detroit, and then they head. Um, to the Midwest to face the Blackhawks for the first time this season on Sunday. They still have two, uh, both their matchups left with the Blackhawks, so we'll get a, we'll get to see them, even though it's without Patrick Kane. We'll get to see the supposed best team in the West. And here to join me to talk a little Rangers Blackhawks, uh, among other things in the NHL, is Ryan Brandell of Barstool Sports Chicago. You know him as uh, Barstool Chief on there. Ryan, how's it going today? It's going well. Looking forward to that uh, Blackhawks Rangers game. Yeah, you know it's uh, it's weird that it's it's Sunday night. It's a little prime time. I I thought with a Sunday game they they do it afternoon on NBC or something, but a nighttime Sunday game. The Rangers have Thursday, Friday, Saturday completely off, so they'll be well rested to, to see your Blackhawks. And did you say that game was in uh, New York or in Chicago? That one's in Chicago. Okay, and then they play again uh, pretty soon after that, correct? Yeah, they play. Uh, let's see here down the stretch. I know they had both those games. Weird scheduling, I guess, this year with yeah. the league to to not really split them up. But yeah, they play again on the 18th, so not that far away. About uh, you know two weeks away from today um, in New York against the Blackhawks, so they won't get to see Patrick Kane, but they'll get to see your uh, you know your sort of new look Blackhawks from uh, the moves they made at the deadline. Yeah, you'll, maybe you'll see Patrick Kane uh, in May and June against the <laughs> Rangers, playing seven t- or you know nine times or however many games in uh, in the next three months here, regular season included. Uh, but, yeah, I think we've only had one look so far at the, at the new Blackhawks, as you put it, with uh, Antoine Vermette and Kimo Timonen, Uh And they hammered Carolina um, just the other night, 5-1 to one or 5-2. to two. I think Carolina got a late goal. Uh, yeah, they did get a late goal. Alexi Semin, uh special, where he scores down 5-1 with two minutes to go. That seems where he does uh, the majority of his damage. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I think the Hawks, um, you know, they needed a breath of fresh air. There's a lot of uh, – there's kind of a black cloud hanging over the team uh, on and off the ice, and then Kane went down, and and it, uh, it seems like uh, they had a lot more energy uh, in that Carolina game with uh, the new faces in the locker room. So it was good to see, and I'm excited for, for the stretch run here. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I wanted to talk to you because – uh, since the, since the Rangers trade for Keith Yandel and uh, giving up Anthony Duclair, uh, we have a lot to talk about with that. But right now, I mean, everyone, all the analysts talking about the trade, and uh, I guess it was probably the biggest deal of the deadline, at least the biggest name move for the biggest prospect. And now everyone's calling the Rangers the team to beat. Um, you know, not everyone's just saying it in the East either. They're saying it about the league. And 
for me, you know, I've never experienced this because the last time the Rangers were the team to beat was the 93-94 season, and I was, uh, you know, seven years old. Um, but for you, I mean, you've had to deal with this now for the last few years, and it's sort of, uh, it's it's a good feeling to have because you want to, you know, I guess you want to have that bullseye on you. You want to be, uh, you know, the, the team going into the playoffs and, and the spring and as the team to beat, but it also comes with the expectation of, you basically now the Rangers have to win the Stanley Cup and, and nothing else will be good enough. And I wrote about it on Wednesday how you know last year's run was fun because it was unexpected, but this year it's more about business. And now it's sort of like uh, you know what we talked about a year ago in February uh, with the window and, and the chance of winning a championship. And the Rangers have joined the Blackhawks, and their window is now. Yeah, for sure. And um, and I can definitely echo that when the, when the Black Blackhawks were dead. Uh, for 15 years or so, from like 91 until uh, 2008, so 17 years, they were just a non-factor. And then that for, they made a run to the conference finals um, with Kane and Taves in their second year, which was 2008 and 2009. And you're right, it was it was so fun. They they upset Vancouver and they beat um, a veteran Calgary team in the first round before eventually losing to Detroit. But it, it was just like everything was great. Like you knew the future was coming with those guys. And then once, but on that run, it was just like you're just enjoying every game. Like no one had could even remember what a playoff game felt like. Uh, contrasted to now, like you said, where the, the Hawks and, and, and the Rangers are the hunted and they're expected to do it. And you, and, and you feel it in the regular season. You feel it. I remember specifically when the Rangers came in. Um, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before. But it, it felt like it was the biggest game of their season. Like they were buzzing. Like they were flying around. And it was just another another game for the Hawks in the, in the middle of the season. So you do get uh, your opponent's best shot every night when you're one of these elite teams. So it makes it a little bit harder to, to grind through the regular season. Um, but yeah, I would certainly say that the Rangers have a championship window now. So we talked about this. We have a, a barstool podcast with our hockey writers that we actually recorded yesterday and we we're kind of trying to sort through and grade the trade and, uh, for Yandel. And I'm of the thinking that it was a good, it was a trade the Rangers had to make, you know, Yandel is the best player uh, in that deal right now. And you have maybe three years tops of, Lundqvist being in a weak level goaltender, um, so the time is now. Like that's your window. So I had no problem giving up uh, a player, even though he's you know, as great and looks as great and as promising as Duclair. You gotta give up something to get something. And now the Rangers, I would say, have uh, the best defensive uh, or you know best six D men in the league, uh, one through six. So. It was definitely a good trade, and Yandel's a really good player. I feel like he goes unnoticed uh, because he plays for for Arizona. But he now that he's under the bright lights, I think people are going to appreciate his game a little bit more. Yeah, and you mentioned how you know when the Blackhawks started to get back to relevancy and how the games were fun, and it was like that last playoffs because you know they played Philly in the first round, which is a rival, and it went seven games, and that was fun. And then when they trailed three one to Pittsburgh, everyone was sort of depressed, and it was almost like you're watching Game Five, just thinking like, hey, you know, maybe we'll win and we'll get another game out of the season. But you felt like at some point the Penguins were going to win one of those three games, and you'd lose. Um, but then you know that whole run was fun because they hadn't done that in in twenty years. Uh, they went to 
the Eastern Conference Finals a couple years ago when they lost to the Devils, but it wasn't like it was last year. And uh, and and now it's it's not really fun. And now it's more like it's more satisfying to win. And I I guess when it comes to being a Yankees fan all the championships, they sort of make you feel like the playoffs are, uh, it's not like the Royals or the Giants run late where all the fans are going wild. It's more like you watch the games with a business purpose and, you know, when they win the World Series, it's satisfying, but it's not the celebration you get um, when you have teams that have been bad for so long. And now with the Rangers, it's sort of a scary feeling to think that when the playoffs start, it doesn't matter who they're playing. And and while the Eastern Conference, every single team has a chance of reaching the Stanley Cup final this year, uh, none of these games will really be Fun. I mean, I guess it's fun because it's playoff hockey, but uh, to lose one, you know, every game will be dissected and magnified because of the team they've built and, and the sort of all-in mentality they've gone with now. And I guess it'll be a different way to watch the playoffs than one that you've had to deal with now uh, basically the last four or five years. Yeah, for sure. And I, I've got a question for you while we're on this trade. Where do you stand on it? Well, at first I was... I was, you know, shocked because I was such a big declare guy. I thought he should have been on the team the entire season. I didn't think they should have sent him back to juniors. And when you watch some of the people, you know, they're rolling out there every night, I thought he was better than them and and had better potential even though he was only 19. Um, But, you know, the more I thought about it and three years ago – I wanted Rick Nash at the deadline. I was willing to give up Kreider. I was willing to give up basically anyone in the entire farm system. Um, I will, I, like I said, I would have walked to Columbus and carried him back here because I thought he was the missing piece to that team. Uh, and they ended up getting him in the summer after they had already been eliminated. And they got him for much less, so it worked out. But um, I, I guess because I was always worried that Glenn Sather would waste Henrik Lundqvist's prime by putting you know bad offensive uh, players around him, a bad team around him, and just relying on him to do it all himself. Um, I'm I'm ecstatic that he's not thinking that way. That he's given him a team that um, can play around him. He doesn't have to stand on his head every game. They can win even on nights he's off. So I'm happy about it like that. But on the other end, if they don't win the Stanley Cup this year, which you know they could easily go out in the first round against any other teams in the East, I guess it's sort of a letdown because. Yandel will be an unrestricted free agent next year. Sather is willing to trade anyone who's an unrestricted free agent that won't sign to his terms. Uh, So you might only get a few months here out of Yandel, maybe not even all of next season. Um, I guess there's the chance they do resign him because Boyle's money comes off next year. Uh, But it's just it's a huge gamble. You basically are saying we have to win the Stanley Cup this year or next year, or we just trade away our best prospects since Alexei Kovalev. So uh, it's a huge gamble on their part. But for right now, I'm definitely on board because I think they need to they need to give themselves the best chance to win. It's been two decades, and and that's a long time. Yeah, I, I, I think I think I said earlier pretty clearly that I agree. So and you got to give up something to get something. It's not like the Coyotes were shopping Yandel. Uh, they were sitting back waiting for somebody to come in and, and make them an offer they couldn't refuse, and the Rangers did that. So I think it's a win-win. Um, if you put Duclair with uh, Dolmy, who's another one of their young players, and then maybe maybe a Jack Eichel or Connor McDavid, if the ping-pong balls bounce their way, and all of a sudden they're cooking with gas. So good move all around and yeah I, the way you put it where it was like it's Stanley Cup or bust but they could easily lose in the first round that's got to be a scary thought because they could like the Islanders are looking legit Pittsburgh Washington all those teams in the uh in the Metropolitan are are, are pretty tough so should be uh should be a fun first round in, in Eastern Conference playoffs in general 
Yeah, and I think, you know, when you look at the Metro and how people sort of made fun of it last year and, and the idea that the Flyers got in as, as the three seed last year, the Rangers were the two, the Penguins were the one, and now you've got the Rangers and the Islanders, which if that's a playoff series, I mean, that'll just be, you know, probably seven crazy games of two weeks of just, you know, heart attacks every other night. The Penguins are, are always a tough test, even though the Rangers got the best of them last year. The Capitals are playing better than they have in, you know, six, five, six years probably. Uh, Boston still scares the crap out of me if they were to get in. Detroit's sort of an unknown uh, because they don't have a, you know such a big history with the Rangers yet. Uh, and then you've got Tampa Bay and Montreal who always beat up on the Rangers, uh, at least this season. So it is scary to think that they did all this and they gave up Duclair and they could go home in the first round. It really wouldn't be that surprising. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think that this team – when healthy, and hopefully they can stay healthy, hopefully Lundqvist, Lundqvist comes back healthy. I think they do have the best roster now, um, maybe outside of Montreal. I think those are the two teams right now in the East. And uh, they haven't really been set up like this in, in a long, long time to, to go on an extended run. It just sucks knowing that you know any, any round they could lose, uh, it, it'll be devastating. And, and getting to the final just isn't good enough anymore. They have to get to the final. They have to win it, whether that's against Chicago or L.A. or, or whoever makes it from the West. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I still, I know you said Detroit's an unknown. Um, we know them pretty well uh, out here in Chicago because they were in our division for so long. That's the team that I, if I had to put money on um, meeting the Rangers in the Eastern Conference Final, it would be Detroit. So I, I think uh, Eric Cole is a nice player, and I think that they could easily get to the finals. I think that's Detroit is a really good team, and I think that they're uh, talking to just different people out um, out east, all my hockey friends are typically from the east coast, and they just seem like they don't respect the wings. So maybe it's just because they are unfamiliar. But I, I believe the wings are as good as anybody out there. Um, and I, like you said, I would, I would be afraid of them too. So yeah. I, I'm, at, I'm hoping for like Rangers, Rangers, uh, Blackhawks. Anybody for Blackhawks, I would obviously be more than happy with, but. There's a piece of me that wants to see Hawks and Wings in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, and I think the thing with the Red Wings, I mean, they have the the least amount of regulation losses in the league, and I think the thing that sort of why I consider them an unknown is because, you know, they're in the West for so long, they only were playing once a year against each other, and now with their second year in the East, they've had some good battles with them, but last year they were sort of a much different team than they are this year. I mean, they they barely got in the playoffs. They went out in the first round of the Bruins in five games, and now all of a sudden they sort of burst on the scene. So it's sort of like, you know, they, they did their rebuilding. You know, they didn't really miss out on the playoffs doing it, and they and it sort of came overnight, and now they're right back to where they used to be. So I guess that's really what the unknown is, is I don't know what to expect from them. I mean, maybe they would play the Rangers and sweep them or something crazy, but it'll be good to, to see them on Wednesday night and get another, another uh, view of them and another taste of them because, uh, while they split so far this season, uh, one of those losses for the rain, the, the loss for the Rangers to them was a, uh, a two nothing lead. They blew and lost three to two. So it'll be good to see Detroit again. I know you guys saw them forever. Uh, you know, when you guys were in the same division, same conference. So, right. uh, it, yeah, and the thing about Detroit, sorry to interrupt that they were, they had a similar season injury wise to, uh, what Columbus is going through this year where they had, you know, they were basically an a, an AHL team because they had, I think at one point, they had like 12 guys on IR. And they were basically held together with string. Uh, Dotsuit came back like midway through uh, that series with the Bruins. So 
it was like a mini miracle that they made the playoffs at all. Uh, and now this year, Datsuk and Zetterberg are healthy-ish. Uh, like I think they've both missed a few games here and there, but they've been pretty healthy. Um, and then their young guys, Tatar and uh, Nyquist um, and a few others have really, Danny the Kaiser, have really stepped up. So, um, And they're getting good goaltending too. So I, I think that, you know, that maybe that's part of the perception problem is that their first year in the East, they, you know, limped into the playoffs and, and went out uh, fairly easily against the Bruins. But uh, this is like a warning to everybody on the East Coast. Like, watch out, watch out for Detroit. They are, they are for real. And they know how to win. And they got arguably the best coach in the NHL, too. And that really matters in, uh, in the playoffs. When we go back to that uh, podcast we did around the Olympics last year, and you talked about you know the, the Hawks' window is right now; they have to win more championships. Uh, two is not going to cut it. Um, this is their chance to to build off that. And and I, at that point, the Rangers were like barely in the playoffs. The last two months of the season were were a grind. They didn't get in until the final days of the season. Um, and and I don't you know at that point you're just hoping they you know, win a couple rounds, stay in it as long as they can, extend the season, uh, you know, maybe get you to, to Memorial Day weekend or something nice. But they did a lot more than that, and now they're in the conversation with your Blackhawks. And, and back then, the Bruins were the team to beat in the East. And and I think they're a good example of why, you know, this move by Glenn Sather, why it, it makes a lot of sense and why I'm, I'm on board. Because when you think about the Bruins winning the Cup in, uh, in, in 2011, then the next year they were still one of the best teams in the East, but they lost in, in, in a Game 7 in the first round of the Capitals. Then they get back to the Cup the, la- the next year. And then last year, you know, they're the team to beat in the East maybe in the entire league. And they have a 3-2 series lead over the Canadians before they blow it. And now they're in sort of a weird state where they don't know if they should rebuild or try to contend. They're barely in the playoffs fighting off the Panthers. And their window, if it's shut, it shut pretty pretty quickly for them. And I think when you look at these windows of opportunity, uh, the Rangers is right now because their core of best players are either you know between 28 and 33 years old, um, and you don't know how long they're going to be able to play at an elite level for. Uh, for you, you're a little luckier because the best players on the Blackhawks uh, got good when they were young, so you get to see them for at least a decade of good hockey. But for the Rangers, I, I think when you look at the Bruins, they're a good example of, of why you have to go all in right now and why you have to potentially mortgage the future to try to win a championship when you can. Yeah, and um, to piggyback on that, I think that's kind of what the Blackhawks did a little bit this year. Like they're like those big extensions for Taves and Kane kick in next year, um, so they're going to have another kind of a salary cap purge where we might see guys like uh, Johnny Oduya and Patrick Sharp and and Brian Bickle and uh, guys that have been a part of this run. Uh, unfortunately, will have to be shipped off. Um, because of the cap. So I think that is part of the reason why the Hawks weren't content uh, after Patrick Kane went down to just use the status quo because they know that this is the, the, the they're going to, they're always going to be in the mix because of the, of Taze and Kane, but they're going to have to kind of rebuild on the fly again here. Uh, like they did in 2010 um, because they know they're going to have a much different roster. So I think that's why you saw him go for Vermette and Kimo team in him because they feel at least a little bit of pressure to win this year because they're, I don't want to call it a rebuild, but they're going to have to definitely have a, uh, a roster tweak next summer um, as they re-sign Saad and some of these other guys uh, to get ready um, for like, it's going to be almost like the Patriots where it's like you have a core of, you know, Quenville and Taves 
and like the Patriots have Brady and, and Belichick, you know, you're going to have Quenville and Page and Kane, but the rest of it is going to be kind of changing, and you hope to just be in the mix as you go along and revamp the rest of your roster. Well, because you know you guys won it a couple of years ago. Last year, you expected to get back there, expected to win it again, uh, and lost the game seven. And now this year, you know you're right back there, right at the top of the West, thinking you're going to win again, or at least be there again at the end, at least Western Conference Finals, Stanley Cup final appearance. And now without Kane for a few months, and probably not until I don't know, like the second, third, maybe the finals, if they get there, uh, when it'll be healthy again. Has your has your mindset changed? I know you you know you joke around and, and you write the blogs about uh, why this is a good thing and try to spin it, but um, you know, are you really expecting them to get back there? You think they can tread the water until he could get back? You think they're still possibly the best team in the West without their leading scorer? Yeah, I think if one team can lose their leading scorer and still uh, make a deep playoff run. It is the Hawks because they have so much talent. We, we mentioned Sharp and Taves and Hosa, um, and now you sprinkle in a Vermet and Versteeg's having a big year. Like they still have enough offense and enough depth to, to make a run. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I ever said it was a good thing that Patrick King got hurt. <laughs> well, not a good thing, uh, but you, you were trying yeah. to like look at the positives of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm a positive guy by nature, so I, I think that um, you know, I, I I just think the team has too much talent to to just fold it um, and collapse. And I and in the playoffs, when you know everything tightens up, I have a hard time uh, envisioning Nashville leaning on Philip Forsberg uh, as a rookie to be their best offensive player and have him come through in a two-one game. Is that guy going to give you like that little bit of magic that you need? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, St. Louis, they have the same problem they've had for you know five years now, and it's goaltending in the playoffs. Like I, until Brian Elliott takes them to the finals, I just won't buy it. So I, that, that's the Hawks division right there. Um, and then I do think LA is going to get in, and we'll see LA and Chicago round three. And at that point, you know who knows because those, <laughs> those teams are so evenly matched. Uh, they when the Hawks beat them in 2013. L.A. was really beat up. Like, they had just gone through a couple of wars with uh, St. Louis and Anaheim, I believe. And they were, you know, they were... So the Hawks got rid of them in five games. But L.A. was not really firing at all cylinders. They, they had quite a few injuries uh, that guys were playing through. And last year, you know, game seven of overtime. So, like, they're, those two teams are as, as even as uh, it can get. And uh, I, I really believe that once L.A. is officially in the playoffs, I would love it for them to stub their toe and miss the playoffs somehow. Uh, but I just don't see it. And once they're in, I think they're clearly uh, better than anybody in that Pacific division. I think they'll beat Anaheim. Um, Vancouver, they might sweep Vancouver. I have no respect for them. And then, uh, and then we're looking at uh, Hawks and and Kings again for round three, and I really hope that's what happens because that was awesome hockey uh, last year, even though it didn't go our way at the end. Well, when it comes to the Central and Nashville leading uh, the Central tied for the league lead in points with the Ducks, and uh, the thing with the Predators, you know, I joked on Twitter recently that they were frauds because they lost to the Islanders, uh, and Islanders fans got on me, you know, that's the best team in the league and such, and the Rangers uh, beat them the other night at the Garden, the Rangers lost to them uh, by one goal in Nashville, um, which was the first game, you know, after they found out Henrik Lundqvist would be out for a while, uh, but the Predators, I mean, I don't, 
I don't get them. I don't get how they're you know how they how they're in the spot they're in, and I don't think they're I don't think they're the Stanley Cup uh, you know representative for the Western Conference. I don't know if people really believe in them um, outside of Nashville, but when I watch them, I'm not like. I'm not, you know, fearful if if the Rangers were to go down a goal to them or or that you can't come back against them or anything. Uh, they seem like a good, solid, deep team, but they don't really have anyone that you know, you know, really, you know, makes you fearful every forty, you know, every time they're on the ice for forty-five seconds to a minute, like these teams, like some of these better teams that we talk about have. But I just don't really get the Predators, and you see them a lot more than I do. So maybe you see it differently. Um, I think what you said is is pretty right on. Um. Pekka Rinne is arguably the best goalie in the league, uh, so he gives them a shot every night, and they play pretty well, uh, pretty good defensively in front of them. They're on a little bit of a losing streak right now, so funny you should bring that up. They've lost three in a row. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that they're going to be one of those teams that nobody wants to play because they play such a hard style, and they got a great goalie, um, and they've got some nice defensemen that can really move the puck, but and and they'll and they work like that's something that's kind of carried over from that Barry Trotz era into this um, uh, Peter Laviolette era is that that work ethic. So they have four got four lines that they pretty much roll, and they try to just grind you down, and um, and they do a good job of it. So I think I would compare them um, to to the Chicago Bulls uh, basketball that they're one of those teams that works hard every night, and they feast on teams that maybe don't. So they pick up a lot of points where teams are just like, God, I am not, like, I quit against the Predators. <laughs> like, they just they just quit against the Predators rather than just getting beat up in the corners and along the wall or in front of the net because the Preds bring it every night. But I think once you get to the playoffs, which is what the Bulls do too, once you get to the playoffs, everybody's bringing it every night. So that effort gap um, – that the Preds usually have in the regular season that makes them so great isn't there. So then now that now that you're still going to be in a war, but I would I would take uh, a few teams ahead of them uh, if I were a betting man. Well, uh, a couple Sundays ago when the Blackhawks got beat up by the Bruins, and uh, I thought maybe that'd be their their A Rod Veritek game for the Bruins, and they'd sort of go on a run here. And they've they've been you know so so since then, basically what they've been all season. Um, but you know the, the Blackhawks had their their little down stretch there, but they've sort of uh, picked it back up of late. Um, they don't have Kane right now, but when you look at this team, I mean, you're usually like a ten out of ten, you know, with the Blackhawks going to the Stanley Cup. What's your confidence level at right now? Um, it's, it's lower than 10. Um, you know, I, I really do, I get kind of pegged as a homer. Um, but I try to keep it as honest as possible. And, and a lot of times I, it just comes down to the fact that the Hawks are great and I say they're great and people take issue with that. So, um, I think the West is better. Um, like I think St. Louis got better this year with, uh, Paul Stasny will help them in the playoffs, but, uh, and same thing, the Nashville is better than they were in previous years. But I just, I still think the Hawks are, are better than those teams. So I think it's it's Western Conference Finals at minimum. And then I think if they can get past LA, uh, then then we're, I, I would say, I'll put it at a nine to answer your question. I think it's going to be Hawks in LA. Hawks in LA is like a coin flip. But if you get that far, uh, you got to be pretty confident. So I'll say a nine out of ten, 
if I'm usually a 10 out of 10, I'm a little bit less than that. Well, it's always been, or at least in the last few years, and when we talked last year, you know, it was uh, whoever won the West would win the Stanley Cup, and that held true, but I feel like it's things have flipped, and I feel like the East is not only deeper than the West this year, but it's much deeper, and when we just went through the West here and sort of, you know, went through the Central and a bit of the Pacific, I mean, outside of really the Blackhawks when, when completely healthy and L.A., I mean, the other teams, they're just like, I, I don't know, I don't really see, you know, Winnipeg or Calgary or, or Vancouver. Like, I don't think they have what it takes to get to the Stanley Cup final. And when you look at the East, any of the eight teams that end up making it have a chance to. I agree that there's more parity in the East. I don't necessarily believe that the East is better. Uh, I think if you put St. Louis or even Winnipeg um, or Nashville in the East, you would be talking about them the same way you're talking about the Islanders. Like those, I, I think all three of those teams I just mentioned are a better team than the Islanders. I think the Rangers have kind of separated themselves here recently from the pack. So I think the Rangers and, and the Wings, when it's all said and done, will be the best two teams. But if you put some of these um, teams in the middle, Anaheim, uh, Winnipeg, St. Louis, and put them in the East, I think that they would be a force in the East. That they'd be in the conversation to to, to make a run. Yeah, and uh, it's weird because what Colorado did last year and overachieving, and what what's happened to them this year. And a couple weeks ago, I mean, they're still an over five hundred team. But you know, was that last week or the week before when I asked you a little scouting report on them for for betting purposes, and you said how they seem to always have the black clocks number. But for Colorado, I mean, they went out and made some strong moves in the off season, and things didn't work out for them. And and now they've sort of fallen apart, and they're not going to go to the playoffs unless they go on some miracle run here for the last nineteen games of the season. Uh, what what sort of happened with the Avalanche? Or, or was that expected because of how much they overachieved last year? Uh, I, I think it's a couple different things. If you pay attention to the uh, the advanced metrics, uh, all the all the talk was that they were due for a little bit of a, of a backslide just because uh, the, the, they were grossly uh, outshot last year. Um, and I think we've seen that. So Varlamov had a Vezina-type season for Colorado. And uh, and that really really kind of propelled them into the playoffs, and then and I think Patrick uh, Waugh coming in there lit a fire under their ass too. So they had a couple factors with that, and then I never understood the Jerome McGinley signing. I thought that was, that didn't make sense because they're such a speed oriented team, and he's not that anymore. Uh, so I think they made some curious um, roster moves that that kind of led to this. And I think it's natural for a young team that's, you know, that they had a kind of a slave driver first year coach that like almost like a college coach that everybody bought in and they won. And I think maybe they were resting on their laurels a little bit uh, this season. And the reason, but the reason they always give the Hawks trouble is because they're one of the few teams that can really skate with the Hawks. And I would kind of put the Rangers in that class, too. The Rangers are a really fast team now, uh, and that's why Winnipeg gets the Hawks problems because usually the Hawks can outskate everybody, uh, but there are a few teams in the league, Colorado, New York, Winnipeg, that can really fly and keep up, and that's, uh, that's why Colorado seems to give the Hawks some trouble. Well, uh, 
you know, we, we've talked a lot uh, over the last year or so. We've done the podcast a lot every time the Rangers and Blackhawks meet. Uh, did it for the Olympics uh, when you guys were on the the Epic Series, the Road to the Winter Classic. And now here we are with, uh, you know, basically less than 25% of the season to go. Um, a few weeks from baseball, which means a few weeks from the end of the NHL season and then the playoffs. And uh, you, you joked on Twitter about this being the Stanley Cup Finals preview. And, it seems weird to think that, and I know we joked about it last February when it seemed real far-fetched to even have the Rangers uh, in that spot, but it, it, it seems like it's a real possibility this year. And outside of Montreal, and I guess you're making me start to believe in Detroit a little more, it, it seems like we, we could be talking a lot this uh, this end of May and June for the Stanley Cup, and we could really, really finally see a, a New York-Chicago Stanley Cup final. I think the only guy that would love that more than uh, than you and me is probably Gary Bettman because you're <laughs> ratings bonanza if it was Rangers and, and Hawks. So, uh, yeah, I, I hope that's the case. Uh, like I said, I, I have like a soft spot for that old uh, Blackhawks-Red Wings rivalry, so that's probably my number one matchup I'd like to see. But right behind it is is the Rangers. So I think that'd be a lot of fun. I hope I hope we are talking. All right, Chief. Well, uh, we'll have to do this again in a couple of weeks when they meet again. Hopefully, we get a good game on uh, on Sunday night. Maybe a little Stanley Cup preview. Hopefully, both teams uh, bring it. They weren't, uh, you know, out late on Saturday night in Chicago boozing. Uh, and then we'll do it again in two weeks. And then hopefully, we'll get to do it a lot more come June. Every day in June. See you then.